He's big and strong, he's sad and mad, and a little bit funny. You are listening to the Crash Program. This is Crash Barry. I'm an author and journalist. My friend, Maine storyteller and talk show host extraordinaire, John McDonald, died on December 20th, 2022, at the age of 78. I'm very grateful that I was able to visit John in the late spring of this year, about eight months before his death. He'd been having health troubles for a while, memory loss, most notably, which is sad enough for anyone but doubly so, triply so, for a storyteller whose life was full of stories. Just give me a sound check. Why don't you go to the old John McDonald Show? Welcome to the John McDonald Show. Can you do that? Welcome back to the John McDonald Show. Good time uh, here. We're having fun on the radio. Just don't tell anybody. Uh, yes. and Do that storyteller's voice for me. Well, that you, I, I thought you'd come in here. You call. And, and uh, by the way, it's good to see you. I hadn't seen you in a while. And uh, I, I was going to say, how are things going? I assume they're going well. John leaves behind his beloved wife, Anne, who did so much for him and his three kids, Joshua, Becky, and Jeremiah, all of whom he was very proud of. John wrote seven books, wrote millions of newspaper columns, and hosted countless hours on the AM radio. That's where I met John working at 560 AM WGAN back in the mid-1990s. In my attic, I have cardboard boxes of old cassette tapes from when I produced John's weekend talk shows. Plus, I have about 25 hours of us together on the air auditioning, we thought, to be the new morning team on WGAN. Turned out we were just keeping the seats warm until the new team arrived. And soon after, I was fired, but John, amazingly, stayed employed at WGAN for over 25 more years until they shamelessly fired him in 2020. But, but it gave me more time uh, to write books, which, which are probably supporting me now. Um, and, and, well, I've, I've got another one that, I, that I'm almost finished. Um, it's about... Growing up in in my Rhode Island, and I'm not sure, because I thought it was fun, not funny, but uh, interesting. Where this guy from Pawtucket, Pawtucket, I wasn't just from Rhode Island. I, I was, have you ever been to Pawtucket? Yes, I've been to Pawtucket many years ago. Uh, <clears throat> um, there's, there's some stories about uh, Pawtucket. We, uh, my father, <laughs> um, my father was the Mayor's dentist. I went to Sacred Heart School, uh, which is right, you know, it was right downtown. Uh, and, and people said, "Well, how, how did you get?" To? Well, I was born in Rhode Island, but uh, every summer we'd come to Maine. We weren't foolish. We weren't going to spend the summer in in. Providence, <laughs> Rhode Island, please. Until he was fired, John had me on frequently as a guest, probably more than any other human. And he usually gave me free reign when we were on the air together. 
In the later years, in the 20-teens, during the run-up to cannabis legalization in Maine, John had me on frequently to explain marijuana policy and culture. And despite me offering many, 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 many times, he declined to smoke pot with me. Now, the John McDonald Show continues. Welcome back. John McDonald with you on News Radio 560 WGAN Time. Coming up on to 8.36, that would be Eastern Daylight Time on this drippy Saturday in Maine. Uh, let us go out west to an undisclosed location and uh, our guest, uh, Crash Barry. Good morning, Crash. Good morning, John. Uh, can you believe it's been uh, the, a day since uh, I, I saw you yesterday? Two uh, days ago. Was Thursday. it two days? Oh, yeah, it was Thursday. Okay. Are you still high, dude? <laughs> it seems like. No, <laughs> no I'm not high. <laughs> We're talking about the, the cannabis giveaway I did at, at Monument Square in, in Portland Thursday at noon, and there's been lots of media coverage of it. And so many of these photos and videos I've seen have you standing there. They see watching. some innocent senior citizen standing there, uh, <laughs> innocently uh, wondering what's going on. Uh, actually, there was a crowd there. Joining us now from an undisclosed location in Western Maine is Crash Barry. Good morning, Crash. Good morning, John. How are you this morning? You know, it is difficult to know exactly where you are, even when I think I know exactly where, where you are. Undisclosed location. Good morning, John. Guess what? It's snowing here. You're, it, shut up. Good morning, Crash. Good morning, John. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are your books doing? Oh, you know, per usual, selling. Yeah. Being copies. We were, talk- we were talking about uh, Tough Island. Oh, you were? Uh, yes. Which, which everybody should read. It, it, it's about a great island, Botanicus. Maine's toughest island. And it, it, it's a great title. I love titles. Good well, title. I, you and I have done some, I remember we did a couple gigs together, uh, at least with that book. And your yes, book, we did. My book, and we would talk about the different islands. And but this morning. To do that again. Why don't we do that sometime? All right. Let, right. Let's, let's do it. Have but, your manager call my manager. Yes. <laughs> have you figured out how you're going to vote on question one yet? Um... Welcome, Crash. Good morning, John. Yesterday I got an email from Amazon.com recommending that I should pre-order Bears Behaving Badly by John McDonald. You did not. <laughs> yes. It is 420, April 20th. Joining me on the line is uh, Crash Barry. Good morning, Crash. Uh, good morning, John. Hold on a second. Yeah. Um, Hold on. Okay. Okay. I just have to smoke a little Dark Star before I got on the air with you. What is Dark Star? Dark Star is a strain. It's like a, you know how your your tomatoes have certain names like Big Boy, Early, you know, all that stuff? Cannabis has the same thing. So it's called a strain. And the particular strain I'm enjoying this morning to talk to you is called Dark Star, which is a very uh, potent type of cannabis. So, so you, I know that you don't have any on you right now, right? <laughs> You're not carrying? What are you? You must be psychic. How did you know that? <laughs> Crash Barry, good morning. You know, I realized this week what? that we've been talking on your show. We've been having these conversations on your show for 20 years now. Whoa. I did the math because we used to work together there. And That's then, right. remember, I got fired. I do. And, and then... We have to lay low for a couple of years until the guy that fired me got fired. <laughs> so anyway, that's 20 years, dude. 20 Kyle. years. Went by yeah. fast. 
This is my friend Crash Barry. Good morning, Crash. We're going to talk about marijuana, obviously, yeah. but right. I just finished watching the video of Jeremiah's wedding. In New York Jeremiah's City. Wedding. Pretty nice tape, isn't it? That, uh, that yeah. our first older all, son, Joshua. Joshua did a good job. But i got to say, first of all, how quickly they grow up, John. I remember when he was just a lad. It was. He looked so nervous, and his beautiful wife seemed so calm. Yeah. <laughs> and I think part of the reason why he's nervous, and I don't want to go into this too much no. on the air, but it's because his mother and father hadn't shown up late. Yes! You were late for your son's wedding. Uh, it, I couldn't believe that I was in New York, but it was fun. It was, it was, uh, and you said something. I heard you on tape say, yeah, we traveled so far. It's like you're totally oblivious to the fact that your <laughs> new in-laws traveled from Mexico. A couple of thousand miles. <laughs> yes, she, her, her, you her, got on a bus. she is from uh, Mexico. Uh, from an undisclosed location in Western Maine is my friend Crash Barry. Good morning, Crash. Good morning, John. Welcome back from Mexico. Did you see the things online? I did, and you looked. I, I have to say, I look quite smart. Very comfortable. Yes, in my tuxedo. Yes, you're it very was, stunning. It, it was a great time, and uh, very, very, we're very, funny. very delighted to. Uh, and I, as I told her father, we think our son chose wisely. Well, he married up. Definitely, yes, he did. <laughs> All men uh, were the Mexican people nice. They they were they couldn't have been nicer. Yes, so we we almost didn't come back, uh, but no, we had we had a great time. Anyway, um, yeah. pick up the paper this morning. Legislators are trying to seek ways to integrate. Senator Barack Obama, how are you, John? Good morning, sir, and welcome to the John McDonald Show Sunday edition. Thank you so much for having me. It, it is a pleasure to have you on. We've been talking about you this morning. Uh-oh. Uh oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, it it has been. You know, I'll tell you one thing. I was quite impressed that you put seven thousand people in the uh, Bangor Auditorium. Well, I we it, it was just a great rally. And, it must have uh, been. Yeah. Well, it was a great building too. You know, because the rafters just go straight up, and uh, so I'm yeah. very familiar with the Bangor Auditorium. Right. As a matter of fact, they say that that you drew the biggest crowd since Cindy Blodgett. Do you know anything about Cindy Blodgett? I confess, I don't. Big uh, basketball is, star, and it was it was her last high school game. <laughs> Is that right? Or you rivaled her crowd, which in Maine well, is pretty I, impressive. Yeah, I suspect she hit more threes than I did, though. But uh, uh, have you ever been to Maine before? Before this, uh, yeah. This? Well, you know, we had a big rally in Portland uh, when I was campaigning up in uh, up in New Hampshire right. uh, during the earlier part of the campaign. Oh, it's just I, a gorgeous I, state. Yes. And, uh, I'm always curious, Senator. By the way, we're speaking to Senator Barack Obama, candidate for president of the Democratic Caucus today here in Maine. How does your staff prepare you for something like a trip to Maine? which might have been a, like a surprise schedule or something. How do they prepare you for something like that? Well, you know, typically uh, you know, they'll provide me a briefing book to make sure that I'm familiar with any issues that have popped up recently. Mm -hmm. uh, but as I said before, one of the things that I've found as I travel across the country is that uh, there are really a lot where you know, we have to deal with winter. Home heating oil uh, is a cost, uh, you know, is, is a problem that is really hitting people hard. And mm -hmm. That's something that I heard a lot about. Well, Senator Obama, I can say that my uh, my wife Anne is going to caucus for you this afternoon, well, you and, tell and I'm not just saying <laughs> I'm not just saying that because we've been talking about it. I am now unenrolled. I used to be a Democrat. What happened to you? Oh, I started doing a talk show, and and I and people would say, "Oh, of course you think like that because you're a Democrat." So I, I said, see. "No, I'm going to unenroll." Uh, people know they figure me out. I do lean toward Democrat. I'm a, I'm a conservative Democrat. Well, the, uh, that's not a bad place to be. Senator, where are you calling us from this morning? I am calling you from Virginia. Uh, we've got, uh, big. You had some big wins this weekend, by the way. We uh, did. Uh, yeah, we won in Louisiana. We won in 
the state of Washington. We won in Nebraska. Uh, somehow, uh, my staff keeps on telling me at some point I'm getting a day off, but I haven't seen it yet. Senator Barack Obama, we want to thank you very much for uh, joining us this morning. Thank and you, and I, I hope everybody turns out to those caucuses. It, uh, you know, this is one of those elections where you don't get a lot of uh, opportunity to make history. This may be one of them. I know my wife, Ann, will be there. Thank you so So much. there's one. <laughs> That's not bad. John had a very unique and laid-back interviewing style, which is evident during that conversation with Barack Obama on the February day back in 2008 when Obama won the Maine presidential caucus. I love how John asked Obama if he's familiar with Maine sports hero Cindy Blodgett. And I especially love how John tells Obama that Ann is going to caucus for him. And it's tough to hear because John stepped on the future president's words, but Obama tells John to thank Ann. Thank you, Senator Obama. Bye-bye. Bye now. Because the talk show job was part-time, John was always hustling and making deals. John was the king of trade. And then you used to have that very profitable after-dinner speaker circuit. Tell me about that. What, do you, what was the best after-dinner one you did? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Boy, my me- memory is the first to go. And I'm only 78. <laughs> what, year, what year were you born? 44. He was able to trade his voice or books or performances or after-dinner entertainment for all sorts of stuff. I mean, I remember him doing Cellular One ads in exchange for a free early cell phone, this thing called a bag phone. I love my bag phone. And John also traded hotel stays, meals, weight loss coaching, and even a cruise of a lifetime to Alaska for him and Ann. He was booked as a celebrity go-on-a-cruise-with-John-McDonald promotion. Did you have a good time on that trip? It was great. It was. Re- I mean, I've been to a p- part of the world that we'd never been near, um, and, and it was a real nice ship. Um, they do those ships nice. You know, they, don't, they don't want you saying, look at this, this is a dump, or it's going to sink. Right, <laughs> it's going to sink. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, the, the, was that another one of those deals where you got like the you got the cruise for free because you were promoting it? Free is good. And like many people blessed with a golden voice, John did radio and TV ads. How about these specials? The Happy Lobster or Thick Prime Rib for only six ninety five. The Taste of Maine Restaurant, Route One Woolwich, just north of Bath. That was my first real pay, and and it was uh, Larry, Larry. Uh, from Midcoast, um, uh, that was the first one. Would that was you, your first paying ad. Yeah, doing Taste of Maine. Doing Taste of Maine restaurant, Route One, Woolwich, just north of Bath. <laughs> I, I was in a restaurant the uh, one time when I was saying somebody was saying, "What was that ad you did?" And I and I said it right out, and they said, "Yes." Uh, Taste the Main, uh, the other one, uh, I, I had several local... Was this a car dealerships? Didn't you do car Yankee Ford. And you see this here sticker on a newer used car or truck. What that means is that the person is a shrewd car buyer. You know, as a matter of fact, some people get so embarrassed about not having a Yankee Ford sticker on their car that they can buy the Yankee Ford place and ask the Yankee Ford folks for a Yankee Ford sticker just so people won't think they paid too much for their car. Because the easiest and shrewdest way to get a Yankee Ford sticker on your car or truck is to buy your car or truck at Yankee Ford. 
Yankee Ford. Yankee, where you they, the voice of Yankee Ford. Yep, yeah. uh, where they tell it to you straight so you can leave your hip boots at home. That was the tagline. And, and so, uh, one of the managers of the, there said, you know, you don't want to, he said to the owner, you don't want to do, you don't want to use that. John was more than the radio and the ads and his newspaper work. John was first and foremost a Maine storyteller. Many thanks to Maine Public Radio for allowing us to use this clip of John sharing one such tale back in 2016. Well, it's like when uh, uh, when Mark Twain came to Maine and he was he, at first he was flabbergasted. He would get up and tell the funniest story he knew, and the audience would be absolutely silent, and he couldn't he couldn't understand it. He had never no, never happened in his life. Uh, when it was all over, he walked off stage to a you know a thundering down east ovation, and the what he did was he ran out the stage door, ran around the front so we could hear what they were saying as they were coming. It's an old down east trick. It's an old showbiz trick. And uh, the first two people out, a, a farmer and his wife, farmer turns to his wife and said, that fellow was some funny, wasn't he, mother? And she said, I guess he was funny. He's probably the funniest man I ever heard in my life. And the uh, farmer said, I, he, I tell you, he was so funny. I had all I could do to keep from laughing. There are basically two types of main storytelling techniques, by the way. The droll coastal style, just demonstrated by John, and Western main storytellers, by reputation, are more likely to tell tall tales, or at least exaggerate. And since John lived in both coastal and Western Maine, he was able to do both. I wondered which one of these two I was going to take on first, you see. Well, I decided to take the bear on first because he was closer to Matter of fact, he was so close, I didn't even have a chance to reach down and get my gun and get that load and all. I couldn't think of anything else to do. I stuck my hand out like that and stuck my hand right into his mouth. Well, that startled him some. <laughs> but you know that old bear just kept coming? And as that bear kept coming, of course, but now my hand starts going further and further down his throat. First into his stomach, then into his intestines, first upper and then lower. <laughs> Until, by gory, my hand popped right out the other end. Well, you want to believe that startled him some? <laughs> but you know that old bear just kept to come in? Well, by now I'm getting a little concerned. He's climbing up my arm. And I couldn't think of anything else to do. I reached up and grabbed a hold of that tail and hung on for dear life. And then, for no particular reason at all, I just gave that tail one heck of a yank. Yes, sir. Would you believe I pulled that bear right inside out and backwards? Well, you want to believe that startled him some? But that old bear just kept a coming. Only cost but now it was in the opposite direction. So I had time to turn and consider the mountain lion who all the time was charging down the hill at me. Here's his most classic. This version from the 1980s I think is perfect and my favorite. Really excited about this new job selling. I drove up to Machias, did a day selling, checked into the Bluebird Motel there in Machias. And of course, being a good son, I called back home to the farm, make sure everything was all right. My older brother, Liston, answered the phone. I said, how are things back there in Cherryfield, Liston? He said, oh, they're okay, I guess. He said, oh, by the way, he said, your cat just died. Well, here I was, far from home, good 30 miles, 
First day on a new job I really wanted to do well in. My first call home and I get smacked between the eyes with this bad news. I said, you know, listen, you've just ruined my entire week. Because I was fond of the cat, I admit. I said, listen, when someone calls home the first night out on a trip, they're going to be away for a week and you've got bad news for them, you don't smack them between the eyes with the bad news. I said, let me tell you something about how to break bad news to someone who's going to be on the road for a week. He said, well, you tell me. What am I going to say? I said, here's what you could have said. You could have said something like, oh, by the way, your cat is up on the roof and she won't come down. I'd be concerned, of course, but I know she's been up on the roof before, so I'm not going to be too worried. I know she'd get down all right. Then the next night, when I go on to press guile, you say, oh, by the way, we got your cat off the roof, but we dropped her on her back and damaged her vertebrae. See, I'm a little more concerned, but I realize that she's a healthy cat, she probably pulled through. Then the third night, when I call from Fort Kent, you say, well, we took your cat to the vet, he operated and said 50-50 chance. See, it's getting more serious all the time, but I still think she's going to pull through. Then the next night I call from Bangor, you say, oh, by the way, your cat is in intensive care. <laughs> See, it's a little more serious all the time. Then the last night when I call from Portland, you say, oh, by the way, your cat died quietly in her sleep last night. It was a very beautiful death. Everyone was there. But you see, I've had an entire week to break myself in gradual. One, then the other. Down like that, you see. Not smack between the eyes with the bad news all at once. That's how you break bad news to someone listening who's going to be on the road for a week. Well, of course, Liston apologized and said he would never do it again. I hung up there in Machias and went to bed. Next morning I get up and drove all the way to Presque Isle, did a day's selling, come back to my motel, called home. Liston answered. I said, how are things there back in Cherryfield, Liston? He said, oh, they're okay, I guess. I said, now come on, tell me. How's mother? He said, um, she's up on the roof and she won't come down. <laughs> I love that story. He said, um, she's up on the roof and she won't come down. And even when we hung out this spring, eight months before his death, despite all his memory issues, he was still telling stories. I know the Blackwoods Road. They don't call it the Blackwoods Road. I actually went off, uh, I went off the road on the Blackwoods Road. I could have been killed. I, this is a story. Um, I was driving home from Ellsworth, uh, on the Blackwoods Road. Dark, I mean, just bleak. By the way, the Blackwoods Road is supposedly haunted by a woman named Catherine, and uh, locals and travelers have claimed to see Catherine's ghost on the road asking for a ride, sometimes to Bar Harbor, and she's supposed to be wearing a light blue evening or ball gown. Spoiler alert, John didn't run into Catherine. And all of a sudden, I had gone off the road. Um, I thought I, had I thought I was going to be dead when the thing was over because I was I was going about fifty. Sometimes the uh, the, the trees come right up to the, the the end of the road, and so, and I remember being inside this truck in the cab, 
and I was bouncing around, and I thought in my mind, you're, gone, you're done, John. You, you might as well check out. After I stopped bouncing, I, I really, I was bouncing off the roof. I, I said, John, there's no way. I, I remained calm. I said, you know, but, but everything's quiet. Everything was still. Once the last bang. And uh, I said, boy, what am I going to do now? This was way before cell phones. And it was a cold. It was a cold night, and you know how uh, down in East Maine, that's cold well, like does. nowhere else. And uh, another truck comes come by. Actually, I mean, it wasn't. It was accidentally. He, does, he, he That's how we got home to uh, this uh, AAA truck. Saw oh, me. Okay. Stopped. Yeah. Um, and and the, the people. Some people don't believe. Um, they say, "Oh, come on, nothing things. You don't have a." Triple A guy, pull up behind you without. I said, "Well, I did, um, but I didn't die." What year would you have guessed that to be? Any idea? Uh, probably in the late eighties. I asked John about his thoughts on his career. Um, my, I thought of my job as being entertainment. So, but that was yeah. I, I always thought of myself as an entertainer, um, and people like that. They loved it. I mean, I mean, what what would you say to your callers now if they hear this? What would you be saying? Because you never really got the chance to say goodbye because right. in radio, they never fire you and then let you go on do another shift on the air because they don't want you bad-mouthing the, the people that just fired you. So, But you all of a sudden mysteriously disappeared from the radio and you didn't get to say anything to your listeners. What would you say to them if you had the chance? Well... Um, I, I certainly enjoyed my time here, and um, I, I thank you uh, for that. Uh, I let's see. Um, I, I probably would have written something up. I, I, I wouldn't have read it word for word, but you know, to, to keep keep on track. After almost three hours of conversation, John was tired. Um, I've got to take my afternoon nap. But, All right, no, let but, me take, you, take this off. Thank you very much for your time today, John. Oh, let me get this microphone out of your way. Gonna miss you, pal. Good, good. Always a pleasure. Oh, let me take these headphones off. Cheapers, oh, yeah. creepers. <laughs> I don't want... Oh, and knock your glasses off. John, I have such fond, wonderful memories of us together back in the day. I feel like I learned a lot listening to you as a storyteller. So I appreciate that. And I'll take some uh, memory pills. Yes, you take the memory pills, write things down. What are memory pills? <laughs> Marijuana, John, just like I've told you a long time ago. One last tape of the old fellow, recorded by Anne of John soon after he was fired and never before aired. Okay, now. Reporting live from the foothills of western Maine on this Sunday morning, John McDonald with you. As always, we used to be with you every Saturday and Sunday from 6 to 10, and hopefully we can be there again. <laughs> if you'd like to join us, pick up your phone and give us a call.
Please rate and review and subscribe to The Crash Program wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps others discover the show. Also, please tell a friend or two or three about The Crash Program. And if you'd like to support my work even more, visit CrashBerry.com to learn about the benefits and bonus content you'll receive for as little as five bucks a month. He's big and strong, he's sad and mad.